when you're in a toxic relationship, yes, the grass is greener on the other side. You may be alone. You may be sad. You may be poor. You know, um, your life will start over again. It says that when you get out of a bad relationship, it takes you around uh, seven years to rebuild your life. Um, I'm on year number six. And, uh, so you're ahead of schedule. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm seeing the rainbow, right? And, um, I can tell you that no feeling, uh, that I have right now compares to what I had then, right? I thought that I was invincible in this relationship. And these are kind of the key triggers that you feel when you're in a relationship. When it's too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Trust me. This is Gotham Investigations, and I'm your host, Jeff Giordano, the scorned woman of Miami. But what happens when a woman is scorned by another woman? You're going to hear from one of the members of the LGBTQ community that hired Gotham Investigations for revenge. You must see this episode. We have a special guest with us today. Vanessa Baez in the house, a member of the LGBT community who first came to Gotham Investigations for Revenge. Vanessa, welcome. Uh, hey, Jeff. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And uh, tell us what happened in your relationship that you were scorned and, and how that developed and what happened there. Well, I think like most relationships, it started off um, fine and dandy, right? Uh, uh, it was... Uh, I don't know if I'll call it love at first sight, but there was definitely a lot of attraction from the beginning, uh, which I think is, uh, for listeners now, uh, maybe a telltale sign of a toxic relationship, but uh, that'll be a different episode. Um, You know, it started off very passionate, and um, I think with that passion came uh, some insecurities, right, on both ends, Um, and uh, there was like a level of mistrust, I guess, from the beginning that uh, I decided to shove underneath the rug. Um, but uh, when you say mistrust, on your side or her side? I, I guess both sides, right? So on hers, it was really mo- mostly directed towards like infidelities, and on my end, I just always felt like she had an ulterior motive, right? I didn't know what it quite was, but I just always sensed something off there, um, and. Uh, I'll say it now, like definitely listen to a woman's intuition, trust your gut. Uh, that was something that I think back then I, I kind of didn't do just because every time I would confront her, we would have a conversation. I would ask her like, hey, why are you taking pictures of me while I'm doing this? Or, hey, why do you have copies? Why are you ordering yourself copies of my credit card? Or, hey, why do I have a, another copy of my license ordered to the house? And it was always, you know, I got to give her credit because she always came up with the best excuses. Oh, well, hey, we have to have a backup pair just in case something happens. Or, hey, you never know if there's an emergency, right? So um, those kind of things kind of started, I guess, uh, um, letting me know that something was off. Not not quite sure what it was, couldn't put my finger on it, um, but ultimately, I guess the story took a, a turn for the worst. Now, you were the breadwinner of the two of you at the time. Uh, maybe you could explain a little bit to us of what you do, your, your line of work back then, and what you kind of inner gut told you was her ulterior motive. Yeah, so um, I guess the main reason for me being the breadwinner back then was that, um, her immigration status in the country hadn't been solidified, so she didn't have a work permit or anything like that. I mean, I guess we all know being from Miami, there are many things you can do uh, without a work permit, but, um, you know, we kind of established, hey, I'll go 
to work, make some money, you know, kind of take care of the household. Uh, construction has always been an underlier for me, uh, project management in that capacity. And um, I, uh, you know, I was comfortable doing that back then because, again, I, I to some degree was under the impression I was in a loving relationship. Um, we, we ended up getting married, right? And... Um, also, uh, which will be revealed later uh, when we began the investigation, um, was that I realized that she started building a case on me from you know, the beginning of our relationship in order to solidify her immigration status. So it's kind of unfortunate, but uh, you, know, you live and you learn. So when did you finally realize that your relationship was uh, turning south there on you? I think... Um, you know, initially, I, I realized things were, were going awry when I started getting tickets in the mail, right? So uh, unpaid uh, parking violations, red light tickets, that kind of stuff. And um, I was like, well, you know, I wasn't driving the car then. Um, what's going on? You know, uh, I actually had my own alibi. Um, and uh, I, I asked her, you know, hey, what's going on? And... Uh, you know, I think she kind of came clean, but in a nonchalant kind of way, like, hey, it's not a really a big deal. Uh, I just didn't want to get in trouble for it, so I kind of uh, wanted you to take the heat. You know, I figured um, you're in a better position to do so. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's right. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of immigration case you got going on. Um, I, I don't think that kind of uh, shoving your legal troubles onto somebody else is the way to go. Now, there was an incident where I believe like narcotics or drugs were, were found, I think, in your vehicle, but they weren't yours. She had, there were, there were some of hers because she was like a little addicted to, uh, to drugs. Can you kind of explain that a little bit to us, her addiction, what she was addicted to? Yeah, I mean, you know, I want to give her the benefit of the doubt. She had, um, she had a, a dad who had um, problems with addiction, struggled with, with addiction um, while she was growing up. And I think that... Um, for a large part of her life, you know, she kind of wanted to stay away from that world. And then when she moved over to Miami, I think, um, you know, uh, there's no party like a 305 party. And um, she picked up, a, you know, a habit. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, she was pulled over for an unrelated incident. Um, and uh, I, I guess the, the first worst part is that she gave them my license information, right? And then after that, uh, she willingly consented to a search of the vehicle, and um, they did find illegal substances in the car, um, to which then she or I, uh, however you want to look at it, was arrested because they realized um, that the ID was not in fact her. So it kind of got my name up in a jam, but uh, I guess that's how we met, right? So. So, so all these things started to develop, and you realized that things were not going you know, according to plan. Your love of your life, your 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 uh, spouse that you're married to, things were just not going correctly, and and then started with the infidelity, but not on your side, but on her side. Well, uh, what a disaster this relationship. Let me tell you, um, you know, I think that there, you know, uh, I guess there's a saying also, whoever smelt it dealt it. Um, I think she was so hyper-focused on accusing me that it turned out being that she was the one who was, you know, uh, engaging in extramarital activities, if you will. And um, 
you know, I, I had a hunch, like I'm telling you, I think that from the beginning I felt that there was, um, there was just something off in this relationship, lots of distrust, um, lots of lying, and uh, not good lying, you know, because I think you can, um, you're able to, to catch a liar immediately. And, um, you know, I realized that, yes, in fact, she was uh, sleeping with one of my really good friends at the time. So, um, yeah. So when you came to uh, Gotham Investigations the first time we met, you were pissed. You were, like, inside torn up. You wanted revenge. You know, here she's, uh, you're the hard worker of the, uh, of the family. Um, she's getting credit cards, and, you know, under her name as well as yours. She's spending all this money. She, you're getting in trouble for uh, traffic tickets, violations, uh, drugs that, that were in the vehicle and car that you had nothing to do with. And here you come, we meet, and you want revenge. And I told you that that's really something that we do not do. However, we do have a demolition team that we subcontract to go after individuals that do seek this kind of self-gratification. And I can remember part of this demolition team, they, they went to like the corner, you told them stores, they went to Walgreens, and they started getting um, subscriptions to magazines out of every magazines. And they subscribe, subscribed her to probably over 40 different magazines to, to start attacking her credit. They, they also applied for several credit cards in, in her name to go after her. Uh, the vehicle that she was driving was actually in both your names, so we, we had permission from you to put a tracker under the, the vehicle. And pretty much she couldn't move without us being on top of her. Uh, we hired a uh, individual with a drone that we've done this on other cases, but this particular case was just to show harassment. Yeah. I can even remember uh, she called the police on us and it, the individual that we used is licensed and we kind of says there's nothing wrong with uh, Vanessa who was looking for real estate in the area yeah. to invest in that she's the good actually old real estate photography real, real yeah. estate photography yeah. so this created inner panic with, with her and she was just at the beach one time where we called the police that uh, she was with her significant new other that she was cheating on and she was having a beer and some vodka and drinks and and we called um, the police saying that uh it's an open container. I'm there with my child, and uh, how can anyone be there with liquor? Yeah. And she got cited for that. So the revenge was for, forthcoming. It was just over and over again. But then one day you said, Jeff, enough is enough. I can't live my life in revenge. <laughs> Tell us a little bit what happened and the route you took after that. Well, look, I think the, the uh, revenge component comes from hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, right? And I feel like... Um, she systemically during the course of our relationship uh, like planned all these things against me which I think is I felt like I was sleeping with the enemy in, to some degree right uh, unbeknownst to me and um, you know when I was able to realize that these things were going on um, yeah I wanted payback right um, to some degree right and um, that's why I think that I my initial goal, right, in the revenge phase was to make her feel uncomfortable, to make her feel followed, to make her feel watched, to know that, you know, we were onto her, we were onto her every move, that she couldn't keep doing things without consequences. Um, you know, and I, I think that that 
the end of that relationship turned into uh, a beautiful new relationship, which is when, where we met each other, right? And you turned me on to uh, this side of the law, right? Which I, I had always had an interest in, but I think, um, look, part of the PI work that we did on my specific case was not only uh, beneficial and nurturing to me in the fact that, first first of all, I was able to build a legal case against her, right? So I had an unsurmounting amount of evidence, evidence which was beneficial to me. But then in addition to that, um, I think that it, it brought me closure, right? Which um, was uh, very helpful in me being able to move on and kind of get my life together again, you know, from the disaster that I, I kind of created and, and was a party to. So, um, you know, coming, coming full circle from that and then being able to meet you, having you help me with this case, then made me feel, hey, I kind of want to be able to do this for other people, you know? So, so there was a time where we sat down, and it's a lot different when you, when you say, you know, meet me and meet us. Is It's different when you deal with somebody as a client, and we're, we're dealing with a, a mad, scorned woman there <laughs> compared to finally your heart said, that's enough. I'm going to get out of this relationship and move on. Well, we did sit down and we say, Vanessa, this is the best thing you could, you could possibly do is, is, is let go. And that's one thing that uh, women out there and, and men just don't know how to do in toxic relationships. If you could say one thing to our listeners and viewers out there of when do you know to walk out of this relationship and how can you not look back, what would you tell them? Oh, man, that, I think that's the hardest question you could possibly ask. Um, I think many times before I left the relationship, I had contemplated it, you know, and I wondered what if and what would my life be like if I left this. And, and I think what, what stopped me many times was that I was scared, right? I was scared about the what if. Uh, I can't promise you much, but I will definitely tell you that it's always better on the other side. So um, when you're in a toxic relationship, yes, the grass is greener on the other side. You may be alone. You may be sad. You may be poor. You know, um, Your life will start over again. It says that when you get out of a bad relationship, it takes you around uh, seven years to rebuild your life. Um, I'm on year number six. And, uh, so you you're know. ahead of schedule. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm seeing the rainbow, right? And um, I can tell you that it, no feeling uh, that I have right now compares to what I had then, right? I thought that I was invincible in this relationship. And these are kind of the key triggers that you feel when you're in a relationship. When it's too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Trust me. Um, after lots of therapy... Uh, some from you, um, you know, and uh, lots of closure. I was able to kind of um, put together the fact that when you're in one of these toxic relationships, your brain experiences this uh, release of emotion called limerence. And, uh, uh, you know, it's in the calm that you know you're in a good space. So fight through it. Uh, the, the, things will get better for you, right? Um, so, yeah, you're number six. Actually, we, we find in a lot of other relationships, yours didn't, didn't, didn't have uh, physical abuse, thank goodness, but we've had you know, women in the past and cases in the past where they're actually beating the spouse and stuff like that. And what we found you know, talking to different uh, uh, psychologists and stuff like that is that women stay in those relationships, sometimes not that they want to, but they're actually building 
a uh, computer programming in their mind. So it's the first time they're beating, they get so emotionally happy. It's kind of like when you do, I don't want anyone out there to try crack cocaine or anything like that, but <laughs> I went to DEA school myself when I was in the street narcotics unit and it sends off pleasure sensors in your brain. Yeah. So what happens is they always seek that high that they never got before. So in a case where a woman is beaten, actually their mind, when it stops, it sends off pleasure sensors. And whether it be a male, whether it be a female, they're on their best behavior a few days after that till the next beating comes. And when the next beating comes, when it stops, their, their mind is just at ease and comfort where those pleasure sensors go off again. So sometimes they look forward, not forward, but to the next beating just to feel that pleasure of it being over. The I next do, few days of peace. Look, I'm, I don't have firsthand experience of this directly. I will tell you that in my personal relationship, we did rough each other up a few times, you know, pushing and shoving. And I can tell you that, that you know, what you're saying uh, does resonate with us because, you know, after we would shove each other around, I got stitches once, um, you know. I, I remember, I think you even had an incident <laughs> when the police were called yes, that. correct, uh, correct. You could touch on that correct. a little bit, but you um, even said, uh, hell with you guys. Yeah, uh, yeah. A um, uh, little uh, unfortunate <laughs> incident, for Unfortunate sure. incident, absolutely. Um, so after we would have these kind of tiffs, right, and it was always, it circled around, well, oh, you don't love me, or oh, you're cheating on me, all this kind of, you know, bullshit, really, which just so everyone who's listening and is clear knows these are not signs of a healthy relationship at all whatsoever. However, um, you know, when, when this kind of stuff would happen, afterwards, you know, oh, I love you, I love you, baby, yeah, never again. And then, yeah, we would experience like a period of closeness until the next tiff came about. Kind of like a honeymoon phase Correct. after Correct. A, a violent yeah. incident would Absolutely, occur. absolutely. So, you know, I do understand how uh, your brain can release certain chemicals after said things happen. But, you know, and, and yeah, to touch on... Um, you know, the unfortunate incident, uh, she actually beat me <laughs> over the head uh, <laughs> with a pan. And I guess due to the size difference between the both of us, I was bleeding. Um, nothing happened to her, but the cops were called to, uh, yeah, to our, our unit. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate. I was the one who ended up in handcuffs. But, uh, you know, uh, sad tale. We cleared it up. And, you know, thank God we had a level... Uh, a significant uh, level of evidence that I, I was able to use, you know, in court to kind of defend myself and um, to to shift the blame a bit. Um, but yeah, it was uh, I couldn't have run away soon enough. So, and that's why it's important for our viewers and listeners to to know documentation is the key. If you're in a, a physical violent relationship, don't just let it go. Even the slightest documentation with the police department can come back to help you later on when the tables are turned on Absolutely. you and you get arrested. And, and that's what came back to help you. Is we, Absolutely. Even we, if it's an incident report, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. an incident report, write a letter, take pictures, like have all this stuff. If you are in an unhealthy relationship, I think that kind of preparing your arsenal uh, of um, evidence to be able to defend yourself in the future, right? Not necessarily to cause harm to the other person, but to build your own case. Look, it, it helps in even getting a restraining order or a stay-away order. You know, if you have a documented history uh, of abuse, it, it, it's definitely of benefit to you um, to showcase that when, when filing for, for legal documents. So the intriguing thing is you came to our office afterwards. Everything was done. You said, release, enough is enough. 
uh, you sat down, and when you came to our office, we, we were actually having a meeting with, uh, with an attorney, and um, we asked the attorney, you mind? She's one of my clients, sits down, and when he left, you said, what was that about? And I says, well, we're, we work for a lot of defense teams, and you were kind of intrigued by that, and you said, well, what do I need to do to become an investigator? And I said, well, Vanessa, uh, you'd be a fantastic investigator because you were very detailed <laughs> throughout this whole case. A lot of times we, we, we find, even as a, an investigator, is the cases are handed to us by the spouse. They know what they're doing from morning to night. They just want the justification yeah. and the photographs to, to throw it in, in their face. So we sat down. We walked you through the process. You did your internship, and you did your internship with us. And to this day, we still reach out to you. Uh, you do investigations for us. And, you, you know, being from the police department, we have a lot of investigators that are police officers, but there's nothing like the, um, the bull out of the gate, and that is you. You helped us on many cases, many surveillances, many followings, and you kind of just blend it right in, and you were tremendous. <laughs> in your, not only in, in your, your uh, I want to say, uh, uh, hidden secrets of uh, you know, not being identified during these investigations, but also your documentation was uh, you know, phenomenal. Your reports and everything were phenomenal. And now you seek a new, uh, a new vision, and that's you want to become a police officer. Yes. And, and as I told you when I started, I applied in Fort Lauderdale, turned down. Hialeah, uh, you missed this. Uh, Miami-Dade County, well, you, uh, you never took the test for uh, uh, this or, or that. You, know, you completed everything, but you didn't deal with the public enough uh, bso this and finally i got hired with miami 30 years later so i told you those experience and i said vanessa if that's your dream do not let go yeah. and you're experiencing the same thing you applied with miami you applied with washington dc and now you're pursuing chicago pd yes. with one of the most violent crime <laughs> rates in the nation yeah well i think it's it's the city that um first of all it's the city that i uh, hold near and dear to my heart and uh we have to thank the city because i actually went to school there for journalism which helps me with my great reporting um, now that explains it. <laughs> so uh i think it's the city that i could probably contribute the most to um you know i i have been in miami for quite some time now uh post-college and i think that um uh, you know it's the department that uh, i could see myself in the most you know also one of the better paying ones. So, um, you know, we'll see what ends up happening. And I'm, I, I definitely welcome and, and thank you for your words of wisdom because they, they have kept me going, right? It's not an easy process. Everyone tells you to be patient, which is not one of my virtues. Um, but I'm working on it. So uh, we'll see. Hopefully, you know, the next time we sit down and do one of these, I can have some good news for you. And, and one of uh, your first cases that we did was kind of... Uh uh, intriguing for you as well, because you never knew this when I was working with the city of Miami, that I was also uh, used sometimes as a police psychic. This is stuff that the police department don't advertise. Uh, they use it periodically, and they try to see if they can get leads from it. So this was a missing person case, and this is going to be one of our episodes uh, together that, that we did. And this was out in the Naples area, and this was a, a juvenile that went missing uh, in her teens that was actually kind of like taken by another family member. Yes. And between the two of us... The kidnapped runaway. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, between the two of us, I was feeding you information from vibes I was getting in that house. Uh, petroleum, this and that. It didn't mean anything to you, to me. And you like found that individual in a gas station. Like it was, it was just a record phenomenal yeah. 
teamwork that both of us uh, put together. Well, I think we make a good team, Jeff. Yes, um, absolutely. But yeah, absolutely. I first and foremost, you know, I I kind of had uh, I had heard down the grapevine that you had this skill set, and uh, I didn't quite believe it. And uh, it took uh, us, you know, being on the opposite coast of the state doing this case, right? Um, I remember, I don't remember, was it her sister or her aunt or somebody who had hired us, right? And was in like frantic panic and she was crying hysterically. And, um, you know, uh, you sat down with her and asked her for some items, if she'd give you some items. And uh, you went away, did your thing. And then you kind of call me or like, you know, something, uh, some pump or something, petroleum. And I was like, what is this man talking about? And, um, I kind of kept driving around in the selected target area that we had discussed and boom at the gas station. I feel like I have an inkling that I take a double take and I was like, Oh my God, this is the girl from the reports. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, you're, you're right on. Well, we don't want to release too much because we're going to release that in one of our upcoming episodes <laughs> of the psychic detective part of Gotham investigations. And we certainly uh, appreciate you coming out you know, expressing your story because it's going to help others. And I can remember one of our, our, our uh, other clients that we, we've had sent me like a, a thank you and dedicated like a song. And it was a, a Simon and Garfunkel song, Bridge Over Troubled Water. And I was like, I hope I'm not the next uh, fatal attraction here. But I was like, what does that song have to do with me? And it was kind of like she's highlighted some stuff when she sent me like the final payment. And she did tip. We do accept tips, by the way, out there. If you do <laughs> hire us, we, we certainly would appreciate every, every dime coming our, our way. But she highlighted in, in that song. And it was when you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in your eyes. And then she put Gotham investigations will comfort you. Until our next episode, we're on your side. Are you a fan of our show? Do you like our show? Then comment, hit the like button, and subscribe, or you might be the next one we investigate.